short side of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 323. Andrew with you once again, joined once again by Derek, aka Diva3 in the forum. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, as I said on Twitter last night, I stayed up till about four in the morning watching the 1988 game uh, four of the Western Conference semifinals between the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Lakers. And what a series that was. It's funny, you look back, the, the Jazz actually were quite competitive uh, in the 80s. You think of them in the late 90s, of course, when they faced the Bulls in the finals twice. But uh, even, even towards those the late 80s, they were starting to come on in the Western Conference there. Well, the thing is, is they were up 2-1 in the series, and they were at home in Game 4. And they were also up at halftime and up by double figures in the first half. And it's just, it's it's a damn shame, because that team was perfectly equipped to win a title. It was John Stockton's first year um, as a full-time starter and Carl Malone's completely, you know, his complete breakout year. And Mark Eaton was giving Kareem fits and he played his role perfectly. It's just that and that Thurl Bailey coming off the bench, Tripico was hurt. Um, but that team was really equipped to win a title. And if they get past the Lakers, it ended up going seven games. Um, if they get past the Lakers there, um, who knows? We may be saying that Carl Malone and John Stockton had a chip. Absolutely. It's, it's funny how timing works so much in, in basketball. That there's so many great players that uh, that came along. And in the 80s, of course, you had Magic and and Kareem, and you had Bird and McHale and, and Parrish on the other side, and James Worthy on the Lakers, of course, as well. These uh, these trios, these great teams that, that stood in the way of, of a lot of great players. And then you get to the 90s, and then all of a sudden it's uh, Jordan's Bulls that... Uh, that of course are being talked about in the last dance and the the last two episodes air tomorrow from when we're recording this, of course. But yeah, it, there's a lot of teams that I think have, have peaked at that time. And you, you go back to teams like the uh, Chris Webber's Kings, and of course uh, Chris, uh, Clyde Drexler would win the title with the Rockets in '95. But his his Blazers are coming along at a time when yeah, it, was, it it peaking at a time when it's somebody else's year, and it's it's kind of tough that. Uh, it goes to show that the, the greats, how they, they stand in the way of, of other greats so winning winning titles. And that's why I say, you know, NBA championships for a player do not define a player. Um, because, like you said, timing. That player could be, you know, player and team could be better than a team that won three titles. But era matters, rules matter, talent in the league matters, and, and, and all of that stuff. So, like, for example, I'm not rating Kevin Garnett over Carl Malone as a power forward. Mm. I'm just not because I think Carl Malone overall was a better player. I think Kevin Garnett was great, but it like you said it, it wasn't Carl Malone's time. He had teams, he had great runs and all of that stuff, but he unfortunately he he had to run into Jordan. Um and I think there there has to be something said about that. You know, John Stockton is not a worse point guard than Kyle Lowry, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people would say that John Stockton was the second best player on the Jazz, and Kyle Lowry may be considered at that on during that championship run. He was an All Star, remember? Um, possibly the second or third best player. But the circumstances around Kyle Lowry's championship and who he was up against and all of that stuff pales in comparison to John Stockton. Context, so just because ma- context Kyle matters. Lowry, context matters. Context always. matters. Right. Exactly. So 
again, there will never ever be if anybody ever says Kyle Lowry's better than John Stockton, I'm going to shut that conversation down right away. You know, what we can even so. say to that absolutely if you're going down those lines. It's it's also like we said before, it's it's a shame that a league pass and league pass broadband doesn't have these games more accessible on demand that you do have to go to YouTube. It's it's nice that they're there and it's nice that the NBA hasn't seen fit to shut them down, but it would be nice if they did take a page out of WWE's book and uh, playbook and what they've done with the network and have all this stuff on demand. It's it boggles the mind with with so many uh, decades of great basketball action and uh, archived content as far as documentaries and things like that because there's a lot of documentaries on the network for wrestling for WWE Network. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of home entertainment. NBA Home Video has been put out a lot of those great videos back in the day, and uh, I know I can rattle them off, and you'll you'll uh, know them. Uh, dazzling dunks and basketball bloopers, uh, Michael Jordan hang time, all the, all you know, come fly with me, all the ones that we could mention. That uh, if they were up there on the on League Pass, League Pass broadband, along with some on-demand games, and not just a, a selection as they curate them, but anything that you can just go back and watch as you as it comes to mind. As we said in that previous podcast, it's it's kind of mind-boggling they don't do that, and really uh, a kind of a failing on on uh, the NBA's part, and that because they are a leader in so many ways of how they've uh, been able to market their brand globally and everything. Yet League Pass broadband is kind of a disappointment. Uh, the the dazzling dunks and blo- uh, basketball bloopers the the bloopers are so underrated mm. uh, just the way the music they put behind them and then the commentary and and all of that stuff they were just so, those those videos were so well done Frank Frank uh, Layden is has uh, some comedic genius yeah he does it, he's just watching his reactions to things are hilarious uh, but yeah I think it's it's frustrating because people need to be more educated about the past NBA. And that's another avenue they could go to get people to, you know, really recognize and appreciate those athletes. But sometimes I don't think that's the way the NBA wants to go. Sometimes I don't think that's the way the media wants to go because they want people focused on the now, the now NBA, now product, the now athletes. They want to pay people to pay attention to them and those trends and all of that stuff. So um, I do think, I, I do think that plays a part in it. It probably does, and it's a shame because there obviously is some interest in in the retro. We we see it in in what they're doing at the moment with the league on hiatus. We we obviously see it in in video games with my team and so forth. And to that point, we actually have a, a goat card for for Michael Jordan in NBA Two K Twenty. My team. It is uh, incredibly overpowered, uh, incredibly powerful to say the least. It has ninety nine in every single category. It has, a, I think, pretty much every badge it can have at Hall of Fame level. If I'm not mistaken it's uh it's already in the auction house i've seen it derek for over three million mt so uh, i'm not going to get it uh, unless i get into that clutch sports money i don't think i'm going to have enough vc to buy enough packs to <laughs> to actually touch that card or ever get to play with it don't think i'll ever get enough mt to get it on the auction house but uh then again i suppose if i was on clutch sports i wouldn't be uh, looking for a michael jordan card anyway maybe but it's it's one another one of those things with the with my team it's it's obviously a great card i'd love to play with it but the, the way they've just set up the market this year is just ridiculous. Uh, with uh, there's The Galaxy Opals, last year I managed, possibly managed to get too many of them the way the market crashed last year, but the market has just been uh, insane this year, being able to get it. The pack odds are not good at all. And I said it before, I would consider paying some kind of money for DLC to get uh, to get a Michael Jordan card. If I could get that card, you know, if, if they put that up for $10, I'd say, well, you know what? I might think about that for the same way I've bought DLC for Fallout. But am I going to spend money on loot boxes? 
no chance. No chance at all, man. Well, you'll have to uh when you when you fill out that clutch sports application and you commit to spreading BS and lies about, you know, the past athletes and NBA and and you know, you commit to that, you know, doing that on social media and all of that stuff, then you'll get get into that clutch money and you'll be able to get everything you want. So yeah, that's true, will true. you sell the question is is will you sell your soul? Uh Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I'll uh, I think I'll keep my dignity on this one, and uh, I'll I'll forgo the uh, I'll forgo the, the Michael Jordan card for uh, for my dignity. But that is there. It is obviously going to make two uh, K a, a bit of money on that. Uh, I know they've been trying to push and get that recurrent revenue up again because it apparently has been down, as we've talked about in previous shows. They've also just released various Bulls gear in, uh, in, the, in the neighborhood. If you want to dress up your player in what is, as we are reliably told by Ronnie 2K a couple of years ago, not a Barbie game. So much for that. But uh, I haven't checked the prices on that yet. But I'm, I'm, again, I'm sure that it's going to be a lot of VC. And it, it goes back to, I, I've really changed my mind on cosmetic items. Because, and it's thanks to, you know who, uh, Jim Sterling, uh, pointing out how they do create that demand for them, the way they create that bullying, toxic culture that you Nobody wants to play with a default skin or, or default outfits in, in the case of, of 2K. It's uh, it's something that, that has not benefited the game at all. Can I ask you something, though, about my team? Yeah. Do you, do you truly think that all of this whole, you know, we're losing out on money or we're, we're not making as much money as we thought on my team or not? Do you think that some of that is BS? And the reason I and the reason I asked that is because the the amount that they drive, uh, you know, microtransactions, virtual currency, all of that stuff, and the amount that they promote it, and all that stuff, and the amount of money they make now compared to what they did, say, back in two K fifteen, for those modes. Do you tr- do you truly believe that they're losing money here? I think like it's... or. or- not adequate well it's more a case of they've they're not reaching targets or they're not reaching the record profits they thought they would because i think they've had their projections just get higher and higher every year and i think this year it's it's dropped maybe because they, they have done a few things that are admittedly easier to get cards uh pretty decent cards maybe not the top cards but decent cards without having to pay or it could just be that some of the bit of backlash from the community the community has finally decided okay let's see what we can do without spending money in which case good on the community for doing that. And I do see a lot of people posting their no money spent hashtag no money spent teams on uh, on Reddit or, or indeed Twitter. So it, it might be that. I mean, it, it's hard to say. It was in a shareholders meeting, so I assume it has to be appropriate data, uh, a, a correct, accurate data, I should say. So it, it's, I assume so. I, I assume it's correct, but... Like I just how, how how did these companies last back in like 2K12? It just blows, you know, they're selling a $60 base game, right? Mm. And that's how people got their game. They they did that, and then there wasn't the, all the microtransaction BS. But now, all of a sudden, we have to continue to ramp up the gouging of people's wallets. Well, the game survived, but the, the executives that get the bonuses from all this microtransaction uh, recurrent revenue, they don't get to line their pockets as much. So everybody survived, they just didn't buy new yachts, I suppose. <laughs> It just it drives me nuts. I I I I, I hate what's happened to gaming. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, and it's not just in the basketball space either. It's, you know, you try to get a game off of Steam and, and over half the time it's lined with like pay to win stuff or reminders. You're constantly put reminders in your face to say, you know, upgrade or, you know, you can get this if you have this currency and all of that stuff. And it's just, I miss, I miss the old days of us and not even that old, like a decade ago, less than a decade ago. I miss the days of going out, getting a $60 game and, you know, putting it on and just playing. <laughs> it's a, it's a, instead of constantly being reminded and hearing about, you know, microtransactions and virtual currency and how 2k needs to make more money and, and all of that. Yeah, it, and so. it, as, as you say, it's not just 2K. It is the, the way of gaming at the moment. And, and that kind of leads into a couple of the things we were looking to talk about today, uh, what it's like to be an older basketball gamer. We remember a time before all this was a was a thing. Uh, and also the uh, our expectations for next gen and what we're looking forward to and what we're hoping for with next gen because, of course, there's the uh, PlayStation 5 tech demo that came out that sh- was... Uh, I mean, it's it's very technically impressive, and but I look at that, and it, this harkens back to what we've talked about in previous shows as well. Is that I look at that and think that's that's fantastic. That could mean some really great things for gaming, gaming this generation, uh, for basketball gaming in particular. But at the same time, if we if we're having the same uh, philosophy with with game design, where it comes down to microtransactions and recurrent revenue and and gouging and, and grinding and, and not delivering that experience that's about having a really fun experience on the sticks, a really fun gaming experience, but th- using us as, as a way to continue to make recurrent revenue, it's, it's almost as hard to get excited about a tech demo like that because you think, well, okay, this looks great, and uh, what, what's it going to cost us once we get into those, these great-looking games? Well, as far as being like a, um, an older gamer, I think one stigma that comes with it is you're automatically an old head, right? So anything, anything that you complain about, anything that you say, you know, I wish it was like this the way it was before, or the, you know, why did they take this out? You know, they should have this back in, or I don't like this gameplay feature. What, you know, it's all about the gameplay and all that stuff. And I've had this happen on operation sports and actually a couple of times on the NLSC and automatically it's get out of your ways, you know, stop, you're stuck in your ways and oh, what an old head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's the, um, it's basically like somehow our input input isn't as valid or, um, doesn't, doesn't have as much weight because we are part of our childhood was part of a different time or our young adulthood was part of a different time. And that can get really frustrating because I think that a lot of the gamers who are quote unquote old heads, I think that they have a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge about what technology was about what, you know, they've played more games about what's important in games that they had the most fun with and all of that stuff. And I think a lot of their critiques, um, need to be heard. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't think that um, we're, her, we're listened to <laughs> as much as we should be. I obviously agree, being part of that generation, the, the uh, new old head, <laughs> I guess, of what we are now, that we dare to have, have uh, reached our mid-30s. It's, it's getting to that point where, the, where we're starting to get dismissed. We're no longer the, 
the, that young part of that core demographic of, of basketball gaming or indeed gaming in general. And, and as you say, it, it's weird that that experience and that knowledge is dismissed because it's it's so often it's it's not about sometimes it's maybe not about preferences. It's simply about looking out for us, ourselves as consumers. Uh, I use an example. I think I mentioned it in an article or possibly a previous podcast that I was reading some comments on Facebook, uh, a, a darn fool thing to do, but I, I did it anyway, um, <laughs> about Mortal Kombat. And, and they it was before it was, it was coming out and they were talking about the pre-order DLC. Or actually, actually it might have been after it came out, but they, they were talking about the DLC and season passes and saying, oh, it's kind of a, a bit crappy that we've got all these characters that back in the day you've just played the game and unlocked the, the secret characters now you're getting them through dlc etc and of course there was the old oh go back and play a game from 2003 then old head and all this stuff and and I, I thought to myself it's it's really weird that 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 is the hill that they're going to die on defending a company that is putting out a kind of a lousy practice of of taking advantage of gamers that that that's if you think you're putting an old head in their place by saying that you're a you're willing to pay more for less content or at least the same content we got back for, for included in the price of a game 15 years ago and you're saying you're happy that to have a, a company take advantage of you with microtransactions and season passes and DLC and and all this kind of stuff you're not putting an old head in your place you're saying that you're a sucker that's willing to be taken advantage of and that's it really boggles the mind a couple things. One, how dare we be alive longer and play more games? Yeah. How dare we? We, just, I mean, who do we think we are? Um, second, as far as that goes, that doesn't change the facts. We talked about this before the call. You're calling out an actual bad practice, right? And yep. somehow you're an old head and you're at fault for calling out a bad practice. It doesn't change the fact that it's a bad practice. It doesn't matter who said what you said it doesn't matter the age of them it doesn't change the facts behind the situation and but that's the way people operate so often now it's mind-boggling um i get that stuff all the time on twitter you know where somebody you know channing fry came out recently and said jordan's only job was to score that is a lie yeah, like that is literally a lie that there, there are a, a, a million facts we can throw that dispute that lie and show on video and the importance. I, I mean, Christ, the steal on Carl Malone is defense by Jordan, um, you know, against the Jazz yeah. to yeah. win the title. And, and what that's defense, his only job. Um, but people are pulling the elitist card for Channing Fry. Right. For who because of who he is, they say, oh, yeah, we should listen to D for three and not Channing Fry. It doesn't matter who the BS is coming from. It doesn't matter if it's a current player, former player, executive. It doesn't coach. It doesn't matter. BS is BS and facts are facts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but just like in your situation, that people don't see the fact side of it. It's excuse-making, it's elitist cards, it's all of that stuff. And I don't get it, because I suppose it's it's normal to the, to the younger gamer to deal with this, whereas we we remember a time when gamers were certainly trying to make money, but it, w- it was about providing that great gameplay experience, and you, you had to sell as many units as possible. You wanted to do that, of course, but once you got the game, people had to enjoy the game. You know, we, we enjoyed games where... 
man, I, I wish we had some of the patches we had these days. I mean, we've talked before about how certain patches have ruined games, NBA Live 19, for example, and there's been, and NBA, even going back to NBA Live 10, the second patch really messed that game up. But the point is, compared to a game like, again, NBA Live 2001, NBA Live 2003, where we barely got any patches or no patches at all, something that didn't address the problem, you know, that is, that is an example of how gaming has come a long way, and how even though we complain about day one patches, it's better to get those day one patches than get a broken game and have to beg for a fix for things that, that somehow made it through the QA process to when the game went gold. So it's but not, Andrew, the problem uh, you you and I talked about this. Sorry, Andrew, for interrupting you. You talk, you and I talked about this. They've leaned on patches, though. The I mean, problem that, is, that, is that, that, that is a problem too. Two K eighteen. Yeah, look at two K. There, it's not just a, a bonus. It's also a curse. You you have games like NBA two K eighteen and two K nineteen had a similar thing, and um, you know, in more games in the past in, in recent. The recent past and whatnot—they're literally being released with all of these issues, yeah, and not complete because the companies know they can patch. That is the downside. So, that is the, de- the downside. The yeah. downside. So sometimes, yeah. so not only do you have changing gameplay during out the dur- throughout the game cycle, which can be really frustrating. Remember, Live 19 got broke from it. Yeah, it broke Live 19's gameplay. I hate Live 19's gameplay now, um, but not only that, but. It a it gives sometimes it's two or three months into the game cycle where the game feels fun, and so you pay sixty dollars sometimes more sometimes eighty or a hundred depending on which package you get, and then who knows what VC you you guys spend and, and whatnot. But and and you don't even get a fully developed product. Yeah. So I think it's a bonus and a curse. It is. There is definitely the downside to patches is that they can wreck the game or that they do uh, they allow the, the developers a certain amount of leeway to to release a a game that's, that's not finished or, or, or does launch with some serious problems so that is definitely an issue of course but it's and, and we do take the good with the bad in that respect but we, we can remember that time when games either didn't get patched at all or because it just wasn't feasible so you wouldn't get it um and sometimes i mean so so games would be released in a, in a broken state and just that was it. We, we kind of tried to make the most of enjoying a broken game, which is something I'd probably like to circle back to and talk about in once we uh, you know, moved on from the uh, the current topics. But it's it gets me that we we know what it's like. We we know, we know, and we're looking out, trying to look out for ourselves and younger gamers as well, and say, look, this is not right. These practices are very predatory. They're not. They're unfair. They, they, they by focusing on them, they're not focusing on the the experience, on the quality of the actual game itself, because it's building it around making money as opposed to just simply providing people with a great basketball experience or a great gaming experience for other genres in general. And for them to turn around and say, "Oh, it's you know old heads, you're uh, you know you know pipe down, and get back in your box, and whatever," <laughs> again, it does boggle the mind because it's it's not a case of oh you know everything has to be like it was in the old days. It's more a case of well, this is uh, a, a way of this is an example of how we, of how games have gone backwards, how we've moved into a place and moved into a uh, a system where where developers are really taking advantage of us. We and we're trying to call that out, and you're going along with it. And it's I guess again it, because it, it's kind of been normalized because they've grown up with it. It would be different if you and I were we're on Operation Sports or on LSC or on social media, and we're like, listen. Bring back Live 2003's graphics. Yes. I am yeah. skipping graphics today. <laughs> Please bring back 
those amazing graphics that we had in live 2003 and the 100 mile an hour 360 dunks <laughs> and please yeah. you know and please bring back that speed and that's what we miss and and all of that stuff that's not what it is and or, it's nor denying uh, people's preferences if we said oh screw park you know take park out it's not not to do with basketball we don't want it there it shouldn't be in the game that would be elitist on our part and that would be wrong because it is something that people enjoy whether we have appeal whether we whether we find it appealing or not people enjoy it so if we said take that out we nobody needs it uh you know what if we were saying that then they can absolutely say hey, hey old heads actually a lot of people do like that you know check yourself whatever but we're not we're saying <laughs> cut out these predatory mechanics and that really benefits everybody I don't touch my park, and I don't touch my career, but you know what? You're damn straight a lot of people play them. Yep. And it's not just because of the advertising around them and the companies pushing it, even though they do. It's they have value. Those modes do have value, and people do like getting out there and playing in the park. I wish they were playing real basketball more. Um, but playing out in the park and all of that stuff and getting together with their friends virtually and all of that stuff, we didn't have that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like and, we didn't have that when we were younger. And I, and I think it's great. Do I play them? No, but I can see the big picture value for them. And I want people to enjoy those modes. And and to be fair, I do see those, some comments on Reddit where people are talking about the lack of matchmaking. They're talking about some of the stuff. There's still that pushback though. And admittedly, some of it gets downvoted. And of course, any discussionary where downvoting is possible has its issues. As, as you know, that the, an unpopular opinion that may be very valid is nevertheless downvoted because it's, not towing the line so that is a problem but i do see the pushback on it and so so i do i do see the younger gamers seeing the point so i don't want to make a blanket statement but it does tend to be if if there's any pushback against the idea that gamers uh the games should not be relying so heavily on microtransactions and that they are becoming a problem at as far as the quality of the overall experience the pushback does tend to be from that younger generation that that grew up with them and and i suppose again that is that is what has normalized it to them so for someone like myself, and, and for you, I'm sure, when you see the, the PS5 tech demo, it's very impressive. And you can see these great environments, and you, you see them r- running through these caverns, and you see the uh, rocks and everything falling down, and it's, it's all this ambience that's uh, and environmental uh, features and, and detail that, that just wasn't possible with the processing power, or would, certainly would have slowed things down on, on the older systems. That, that sort of looks fantastic and everything. One might point out that PCs have been able to do it for a long time, and I know that's opening up a whole can of worms with the, with the console and PC debate there. Uh, but, I mean, these are the things that we can expect from the games, but and we might be able to see these these great, uh, really detailed player faces and models, and the environments just look fantastic, and maybe the crowds no longer look like cardboard cutouts or, or whatever. They're not they're not low res polygons. They're they're really great, and and the sweat effects will be fantastic, and they'll be all procedural and everything, and. Does it matter, though, if the actual gameplay, as you've said before, as you, as you put it, the, the gameplay between the lines and, of course, other things like the microtransactions, recurrent revenue mechanics, if that all is, if they're predatory and the, and the basketball isn't good, I don't really care about sweat, man. You know, that, that doesn't really make the experience for me. It, it's, it's impressive, technically impressive, but it doesn't impress as far as what I'm feeling on the sticks. Well, a few things. One, uh, if the sweat effects and the sweat isn't on par in general on next gen, you know damn well Lego is going to be the first one on the forums talking about it. <laughs> he will create a thread and he will say, he will say, damn that, it, that 2K. That is very true, yeah. 
The sweat is not up to par. Um, and good for him. He does really good globals um, mm, that yeah. you know, enhance the sweat. I've been using his globals since 2K14. Um, otherwise, it's the tech, de- as far as the tech demo goes, The like you said, we've been able to get those smooth frame rates on PC for years. Um, granted, we obviously have to have a good computer to do so. But the character on the tech demo could be achieved right now. Like the graphics on the character. It was more like the, um, that they showed it. It's more of the atmosphere. Yeah. That looks, um, different, like the lighting, um, the, um, and, and how smooth it is. I think, um, it doesn't, everything, as far as enjoyment, listen, a game can be great to look at, but if it doesn't play like basketball, like if it doesn't have sound gameplay mechanics between the lines, then it will flop review wise. I, I really believe that. And we'll not review wise by like IGN and GameSpot because we've already talked about that. Mm, um, no. But yeah, it not will still get time. like a, uh, the user score will be a two. Um, but I think that it, it, the gameplay between the lines is paramount. It, it can't have the bugs. They need to fix the skating. Um, they be it's still there in money the AI, the transition defense, um, on-ball defense, help defense AI, the, the, the passes that float out of bounds, the, the constant body steals, the awkward change of direction. All of that stuff needs to be tended to. It can't just be a pretty game. Like, it, it has to have sound gameplay mechanics. Like, 2K14, you weren't a huge fan of it but on Xbox One. But if you actually look at, uh, you know, on Xbox One, PS4, but if you actually go back and play 2K14, that gameplay-wise between the lines, and the reason why it was still so fun and looked fond upon to this day is because it's pretty good. They, you know, kept those core gameplay mechanics from, like, 2K13, um, simplified them a little bit, but the gameplay was still very good. Um, and they have to be able to do that. Uh, it doesn't matter how pretty the game looks, the gameplay has to be good between the lines. And like you said, expectations-wise, as far as graphics, they've had about the, the same graphics for the crowd basically this entire gen. So yeah, you're going to see um, you know, improved graphics there. You'll probably see crazy floor reflections, especially for the first release like they did with 2K14. Um, hopefully better-looking player models as opposed to the players only having like a couple body types and almost looking like clay. Yeah. As yeah. far as their Th- things goes. like that. It's uh, yeah. So I think you'll see a jump in, in graphics there. 2k 14 is a game. I do need to revisit. It's it's, I think I love 2k 13 so much that I wasn't ready to move on and, and kind of had a bit of a, a negative reaction to, uh, to that. And there are some things that I've, I'm trying to remember what it, what it was. I think it's, it's some of the, defensive errors that uh, defensive lapses in the ai that i think i didn't like as much but it i have played it a couple of times uh, recently not not in depth enough but i have noted i've felt a bit more positive towards it so i think it's just one of those things where i had a bit of maybe a bit of hype backlash at the time maybe i was expecting it to be better on, on next gen and it wasn't and uh, and maybe it's a little something like that and it also comes down to what you played because i, I was at the time playing more my career as well and having gone back and played 2k14 more recently, when I have dabbled a little bit, I have been playing the five on five or you know controlling all five players and it it really does affect that uh, the experience what what you play i mean it's it sounds so obvious to say, but with my career because you are only controlling one player, you can't really make up for defensive rota- problems with defensive rotations because you you're you're really relying on the AI so much more than when you can control when you can switch and control five players so 
if there's a problem there, and, and of course, when you're playing with this player that's 55 overall, the game feels very sluggish. So I, I think that might be the, the main problem I had with 2K14 uh, back in back when I first played that on, on uh, PS4. So I, I do I do need to take another look at it. I actually want to do that for way back Wednesday. I want to go back and revisit that because obviously we had the OMG trailer that blew us away, and then uh, and then you know, so different thoughts on the gameplay. So I do want to revisit that, but. It's yeah. I, mean, I, I do think yeah. I, I do think that uh, we will we will have to definitely see that improvement in, in the graphics. I, I also think about oh, what are they going to use this processing for? Processing power for I should say. Uh, please don't uh, make this. Don't, don't put it all into this brand new neighborhood with uh, more advertising and thing, places to run around and explore that really isn't basketball related. That's that along with things like microtransactions, obviously. And, and other things that aren't about that core experience. My fear is that it's going to go to that, and it's going to look impressive, and it's going to look really great in a trailer, but it, it's really not going to matter. And I do have to mention here, that because I, I have seen younger people talking about this in uh, on Reddit and so forth, there's actually a lot of people that don't really like the neighborhood that, that, because it has problems with the lack of matchmaking in the park, uh, the, the, you have to run around to get to different shops, and it, there's a lot of busy work, a lot of just useless running around. So it, there is definitely a bit of a backlash there, and it makes me wonder: can they go? Can they do, go to something else? Because it would anything if they, if they went back to menus now, it, it would feel like a step backwards. And that's that's I've, I talked about that in the Monday Tip of article that getting rid of that or the my career story, as unpopular as they're starting to become, it's very hard to go back because going back and it would be going back to basics. And I think they just want to keep having this visually impressive game in all all kinds of ways. And again, it looks great in a trailer. But when you actually have to execute that plan and, and for the, put it in the gamer's hands, it's it's not as good. Three things really quick about 2K14, and then I'll respond to that. There's three things that bug me about 2K14. Lack of size-ups, a.k.a. you know authenticity. There's no size-ups in the game. Um, you can't drop-step dunk. Um, and the jumping and blocking feels eh. It's not, it's not as good as 2K15 through um, 2K20. Yeah. So those are some, maybe some ammo for your article could, um, could when you go back it, yeah. play, look for those things that's, that's, as that's, far that sounds as, familiar yeah um as far as my career goes I, I think the thing is is a lot of people didn't want rpg elements in their my career mode they didn't want an rpg style my career mode they wanted actually yeah they didn't want a scripted one but they also didn't want an rpg style one um so I actually feel kind of for 2K for, you know, trying to, you know, find the right balance for, you know, to hit the most consumers the right way as far as like a, um, a total overall experience gameplay wise for that mode. I agree with you that if you if you completely remove the way it is now that people are used to, even though they complain about it, it could look like a step back, excuse me, a step back. So I do think you're right. I think they need to weigh the importance uh, or, 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 you know, is, or, or even like, or could they think of ways to improve it now so it's not as grindy, right? Yeah. Is there a way to make it so you don't have to go as far, run as far to get to something? Or can they improve the matchmaking system, how it, how it um, is, is current and whatnot? So I think maybe they can't remove it completely. But at the at the same time, maybe they can tweak it the way it is now and just make it more user friendly. I think it does have to evolve. It, it, they have to take that that uh, 
what they've got that experience, that concept, and, and turn it into something better, a better version of what it is now. And, and to, to your point about matchmaking, they absolutely could, and there's there's ways that they could implement matchmaking through Park, through better through Rec and everything else, and and, and Pro Am, and they could really cater to everybody because at the moment you can either play three on three or five on five with Pro Am, and if you want to play the with the proper rules with, with Pro Am five minute quarters, you either have to have the five full five squad or go to the wreck and the wreck. Well, <laughs> you've read my article about a week in the wreck, so you know how well that goes. Um, so. There's a lot of things they could do to to lessen the gatekeeping, to improve the experience, to open it up to everybody, to have a proper competitive scene with different tiers, like Rocket League, who has a great esports league. So Rocket League would definitely be the ones to emulate here. But if they do that, they might hurt their profits because people will not be encouraged to level up quicker because they'll be able to just jump on and and and, and go to and play people of their own strength. So they won't be that. Oh, you've got to level up quicker to get because otherwise you're going to get smoked by these uh, these these uh, dribble gods and these other people that are already over 90 overall full of badges and everything so there is a, a method to the madness i i'm quite sure and other people share this opinion so if 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 it is a conspiracy i'm not just the only nut who thinks it basically but there is a method to the madness as far as not having that matchmaking because it does force people to grind hard hours spent on the game looks good for metrics or you know, spend money to upgrade, good for the wallet, good for the bottom line. So either way, there there is a reason for them not to have matchmaking. But it really has ruined the online scene, which is a shame because it is very. There's some great modes with online, some really great concepts that, even if you're you know you're not so much into it, I've I, I was traditionally not into it, but it, I, it was something that I developed an interest in because they were quite fun. And then they kind of ruined it with by this lack of matchmaking and this elitism and everything and cozying up to the elitists. And, and all this kind of stuff that, that has really ruined that scene. <laughs> and again, they've got they've got the NBA 2K League. If anything, they should want people to feel good about online play. So that's what really boggles the mind as far as what they've done with that. So I, I do think it has to evolve. Uh, I, I want to go back to something you brought up about looking good but not feeling good, basically, and on the sticks and how you can... It is, and, and this kind of brings in, us into the enjoying a broken game too. We're kind of all bringing these topics together and being older gamers is what we remember. But with a with a game that does have faults in its appearance, that does have drawbacks in its appearance, if it's got some wonky animations or the faces don't look good or something, yes, that is going to stand out. And yes, you know, as much as we may make jokes about sweat and, and shoelace physics and everything, we certainly do appreciate the little details and and the big details as well, obviously, as well. But you, if the game feels good on the sticks... If it's enjoyable, most people, I believe, can get past that. And this is actually a big problem with NBA Live at the moment because it neither looks nor feels as good as it should be. So, if 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 Live, for example, was if it was just a case of the animations look a little bit janky or or everything, but it still felt great and it played a great game of basketball and it was fun to play for everybody, I think people would overlook it. You would still get people laugh like, look at the animations. But you would also get people saying, well, it looks kind of funky, but it's fun. You know, and you can't spell funky without fun, right? But if but it doesn't have that right feel as well. And so a great game can make up for lesser graphics, but great graphics, I feel, just cannot compensate for a broken game. Right. I want to go back to three titles that I think you can, you know, understand the comparison with sure. that had amazing gameplay but were not deep. Amazing gameplay, NBA Ballers, the original, NBA Street Volume 2, and NBA Jam. 
Yes, I know that they're under... I, I know that all three of those games are quote-unquote arcade games, but the gameplay, the between-the-lines gameplay kept people playing. You would play a thousand games of NBA Jam with no, no, like, no like end goal in sight other than that specific one game you were playing, right? Yeah. And you would have a blast. And the same with NBA Ballers. I mean, think about what the concept of NBA Ballers was. What was NBA Ballers one-on-one? Mm. That's it. That could have gotten dull and messed up fast just by the gameplay between the lines, but they made it fun. And so many people played that game. And I know those are older game examples, but then let's go to, like you said, you know, 2K8, you know, when we talked about and you wrote an article on recently, 2K18, where, I mean, graphically it's on par. I mean, it's dark. I mean, it's a darker game and, and they messed with the models a little bit, but graphically it's all right. But look how poorly the reception was for that game. Yeah. And that's all because of the gameplay between the lines. If, it had even worse graphics than it did. For example, let's say that let's say NBA 2K18 had NBA Live 15 graphics mm. with darker arenas and all of that stuff. But the gameplay was awesome. Like in between the lines, people loved it. How well do you think users would have received that game? Like yeah. re- reviewed that? They would have re- re- they would have reviewed it high. They would have been talking about things like you would have seen YouTube, you know, commentators and influencers and and whatnot. They would be saying, you know, so the game visually isn't up to par to what 2K17 is. But, man, you guys got to play this game. This game play is great. And they'll show off moves and show off things that they did on it. Um, just to get the gameplay is paramount still to this day. And, you know, there are some people out there in the modding community um, Peace Man Not and I talk about this. He's one of them who doesn't play the game a lot. They just like mod the art um, in the game, and they care about the art aspect of it. But those are very few people yeah. that do that. Um, it, the it majority of people playing. want to play. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and and I mean here we can also give credit to our our friends Josh and Dave from Nemo Gamer what they did with Basketball Classics. You know, you you have that retro aesthetic. You've got that eight bit. Uh, presentations, eight bit graphics—they're they're, they're amazing, you know, for re- rendering of eight eight bit graphics, and it's a, it's a beautiful retro art style. But obviously, if you are somebody who is looking for the uh, for the full, you know, photorealistic uh, graphics, it, it is not going to meet those expectations because it's it's not that kind of game. It, it is two people working on a, an indie title, but providing that fun gameplay experience that. It doesn't matter that it is "quote unquote" outdated graphics, it, and for us, of course, it's a nice, fun throwback. But other people, younger people as well, are also enjoying that game because it, it does have that simple. There, there is that uh, appreciation now for that old style. So it is, which is nice to see, and it's it's a fun experience. So you don't need to have the top of the line graphics if that between the lines experience is is fun and enjoyable. And and so when you look at again the PS5 tech demo, you see that that's great, and, and it's the, these games are going to look fantastic, and they're going to have a lot of impressive visuals, a lot of impressive details, and and things that couldn't be done without really se- uh, severely affecting the performance on previous generations. Maybe not so much PC, but certainly previous uh, console generations. But if it's if the if you get an open world game, if it feels empty or repetitive or redundant, or if the the, me- the gameplay mechanics aren't fun, and certainly with basketball, if it's not a good representation of the sport, and if it's all certainly if any of these genres are packed with uh, 
the a freemium economy like a mobile game yet being a triple a title and also charging to get the full experience you have to have to pay for the special edition all, all these little things that we are railing against as as people who older gamers who remember what games used to be like when it was really just about presenting the best game possible without having to pay extra for it or microtransactions afterwards you don't have to get a special edition don't have don't have to pre-order the game to get the full experience or things like that it's that that's what concerns me moving forward and i know i've said it before but it's it's very hard to get excited about that tech demo when we look at all those things and look how gaming has changed uh, how it has changed for the worse in those respects i i honestly feel and it, it's something that it, it is nice when the younger people are, t- are talking about it as well and boy do i feel old when i say that <laughs> but certainly when people you know late teens early 20s that uh, a bit more outspoken about these things and, and pushing back on these ideas that it's it's not about as you said bringing back old graphics or outdated ideas uh, the the idea of consumers getting what they pay for and getting value for money, I think that's evergreen. That is not an outdated idea whatsoever. No, and I want to bring something up too as a, a comparison uh, as far as like the graphics as comparison uh, as compared to the gameplay. If you go to a car dealership and you're looking at a car and a car looks absolutely awesome from the outside, but you get in that car and you test drive it and it sputters or it doesn't feel right, are you going to want that car? Exactly. No. 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 Absolutely not. And are you going to give a good review of that test drive? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> no, not so all. that's the way. That's the way I look at it. So you may, you know, go for a different car that may not be as shiny but feels awesome on the road. On the road. So that's kind of, a, I guess, kind of a good way to look at it. So, um, and what, I am what, you're, what you're saying is that the engine matters more than the coat of paint, as, <sighs> as it does with the, exactly. with the game. There you go. All exactly. the we should put that on. Should put that on Twitter. I'm sure we'll get thousands of impressions. Um, put it on a t-shirt, sir. <laughs> or a t-shirt. We'll just put it in the book, The Essence of Modern. Ah, yes, The Essence, uh, of, uh, the essence of Old Head. <laughs> the Essence of Being an Old Head. Um, no, but I agree. I, I am concerned. I'm concerned about the um, what they're going to factor in as far as what's most important. And the basketball needs to be the most important. I, and that's, that sounds selfish to me. But I think that in order to have mass appeal and the the right feedback, I do think that in the in the correct reviews by users, like the not not I'm not talking IGN reviews. I'm talking about what people are saying, like people who are actually playing the game um, and don't have agendas and whatnot. It's um, in order to get that mass appeal and get the the best reviews, the the gameplay needs to be right, you know, between the lines. See, this may be naive of me, and, and certainly I have not, uh, I've not never been in charge of a multi-billion-dollar corporation or anything like that. So I, I do not have a an MBA, do not have a degree in business or anything. So I could be wide the mark, but it occurs to me that if you make the best product possible, it is going to be successful. It's going to sell copies, and if you provide people with something that they're enjoying, they're probably going to buy DLC or maybe even microtransactions anyway. If you if they're enjoying themselves with the game. So why sacrifice quality for short-term gains when you can have that profitable product that is great? I mean, people like good things, usually. Well, the problem is is that we and they know that people will pay. Mm, yeah. They will pay. Like, people will pay. Even with a broken game. It's just, it, there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure to, you know, get out there and be able to try to enjoy. The, you know, this is an underrated 
part of this and not enough people talk about it. Why are you upgrading your player to enjoy the game more? That's the, the that's the whole point, right? You're putting extra money into the game because your experience is experience isn't up to par by default. Mm. That's a red flag. Well, well, people me. people would argue that you don't have to you don't have to do it, which which you don't. I'm up to ninety nine overall without having spent a single cent. Uh, I've also played it quite extensively on twelve minute quarters and and played through a, pretty much a whole season. I played through about sixty games, then simulated, then played through the playoffs. Uh, not to mention countless. Uh, well, not countless, but certainly uh, a fair amount of online games between the different online modes. So I, I've, I have made progress by playing the game, but has it all necessarily been fun? Well, once again, I refer back to my Week in the Wreck article. No, it hasn't all been fun, and, and certainly not as fun as it could be. And that is that is the other thing, too, that it's... it's it, The games, there's, there is a, lot, a certain amount of quality in 2K, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I think 2K20 has been a very enjoyable game for me so far, or quite enjoyable, despite its faults. But the fact that I have that caveat there, that I have the, the but, you know, or the despite part of it, that it is that it is quite good, but it could be so much better in so many ways, and and should be. And we can people can then make that ad hominem attack and, and turn around, and well, first against myself by saying I'm a hater or I'm lousy at the game or something like that, or some other... Uh, excuse there but they'll they'll shift the they'll move the goalpost and they'll shift and say well we'll look at live and i'll say well absolutely live has a lot of problems but that doesn't change the fact that 2k has problems too and it, it, it right now 2k is competing against itself and as we've talked about on previous shows there it's it's kind of losing to old iterations and that's that is the problem I mean, it's a problem with live as well that live doesn't have some of the things that live that it had on previous generations too but the fact that 2k has gone downhill in certain areas and that it has adopted these practices that uh, that has made it not as enjoyable as earlier uh, iterations of the game that is a problem and so even competing with itself uh, 2k has is is losing sometimes and, and that again that's a problem well the other thing too though as far as you saying you know you being up to 99 overall without spending anything and you know the time you've spent with it and that you've enjoyed the experience your experience level is different than the average gamer you are a more experienced 2K gamer. Mm. You're the you're not a kid, okay? You're and that's and I think that's kind of lost in this, and not that you lost it because we've talked about this many times before. Is we're talking about you know kids and teenagers who are asking their parents for money. It's kids who um, have this pressure to get out into. You don't have that pressure to get out into the park that these kids do, right? And you yeah. don't have the not everybody has that same pressure and these kids have you know you know oh day one 2k release day all of that stuff and these kids getting on the game and the pressure of them being up to par with their friends and their friends pressure being up to par with him and all of this stuff there is just basically you can do it like you said but is the average kid going to do that is the average kid or young adult going to do that? Are they going to go through those 60 games that you did? Are they going to and, – and honestly, 2K knows that the way their system is in place, it applies that pressure to those kids to put in more money to the game um, in order to get them where they want to be so they can enjoy the game faster. Um, same with my and, team. Same with my team as well. Right, and the exact same thing with my team. So do you think when, when it comes to us evaluating games – us being older gamers, do you think that also plays a role? Because I'm, I'm sure that for me, and I've, I've said it before, coming from an era where 
we didn't even have proper faces for for, for players that it was the, the graphics weren't up to it basically that for for most of the sim games and having that more primitive graphics and everything I, I'm probably not the harshest critic when it comes to graphics. Like the, people will point out these things in graphics and uh, in, in the artwork or everything and, and in, inaccuracies, and I won't, and, and I, I don't dismiss it. I mean, it's important that that stuff is right, but it doesn't always stand out to me as much as I am familiar with basketball and love basketball, uh, that if I see a, a visual detail that, I mean, I can see what they, again, that I can see what they're talking about and absolutely agree that it needs to, uh, need to improve, but I don't necessarily feel put off by it because I I feel as, as somebody who's grown up with those older games that I don't necessarily I don't want to say don't care but it, it doesn't affect me as much it's it's really only if it, it's so it's it's further down on the totem pole so it gets to the point where if if I'm happy with everything else that's when I'll start caring about that stuff but it, it really doesn't register unless I've really got no other complaints well we have expectations of the tech like everybody else but the weight we put on the graphics is different. Like we're, you, we're both aware of what the tech can do basically based on, you know, what they've been able to release in games and, and what we see from other video games and stuff like that on the same gen and, you know, what they were able to release on past gen and all of that stuff. So our, we still have expectations of graphics. Like if, if they released a game suddenly now that had the same graphics as NBA 2K9, we would be like, what? Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. Uh, a big step but at back the same like time, that. yeah. But at the same time, I do think that we value um, the gameplay between the lines um, more than the graphical output, and the the graphical output doesn't um, have as much weight. And as far as playing the game, I think that there's obviously a big focus on online play now, and and to that extent, I feel like there's there's a big focus on gaming at the expense of somebody else, embarrassing somebody online. And certainly we've always played to win, whether we're playing against somebody online, somebody locally, or indeed against the CPU, we want to win. That That is the point of basketball. It is the point of video games to beat them, to defeat them, <laughs> to reach some kind of uh, satisfactory conclusion. But the toxicity, I feel, has really increased. And, and again, this is the old man ranting, old man wringing his hands, old back in the good old days, as if there wasn't a matter of toxicity back then. But I think the with, with online gaming, it really is about you know embarrassing somebody. The, the whole idea of messaging somebody afterwards, you know, you're trash or things like that, or or getting on the open mic and abusing somebody because they're not uh, because they're still learning the game in the in the wreck or something like that. There's it, it, really that. Uh, that focus on, on on negativity, which is kind of funny when we're to say when we're being critical, obviously, but it but certainly a very toxic kind of negativity uh, to the game, or even when it's uh, when you're enjoying the game, and, and it also goes back to wanting wanting people wanting their way as far as how the rec works or how pro am works, things like that. The idea of enjoying something at, at someone else's expense, or the idea that somebody has to be shut out. Uh, this this elitism, I suppose, when it comes down to it, that that's really permeated the experience and it's really come about. And, uh, and to be honest, I do think two K does encourage it to a certain point, which is which is you know on them as much as it is us. But I, I have noticed that that older gamers like you and I will enjoy that we can dust off a of my league and, and and play a my league and really enjoy that. But there is that divide where there is a a group of gamers and not not necessarily younger, but certainly I think mostly younger than us that really 
really wants it to be about humiliating somebody online. Yeah, I think it's a combination. I think it's 2K feeding into that elitism. Um, and then obviously at times, you know, threads on Operation Sports, you can just see it um, and whatnot. But I also think it's natural. I think um, I think anytime you pit millions of people against each other, uh, millions of kids against each other online, um, you're going to get some of that. You're going to get bullied. I mean, we've had bullying since, you know, the beginning of time. Time is more. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we were all bullied in school at one point or, you know, or were the bully. And there's, that's just, you know, we're talking about high school, junior high age kids, sometimes younger. Um, and then obviously young adults who are still not completely out of that mindset. So I think even if you were, let's say we went back to the year 2003 and you had online modes and people were by the millions playing against each other in an online atmosphere across the world and their kids and, and whatnot, young adults, I think you're still going to get a lot of that toxicity because that's just natural. That's just the way it would be. Um, I do. Yeah. What bothers me and what bothers me more is 2k kind of feeding into that elite elitism with the structure of their online modes. I mean, the, the lack of matchmaking is a is a perfect example. Exactly. Here. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what I'm getting at. Um, you know more about those modes than I do, but I've seen the complaints about that type of stuff, the the lack of proper matchmaking and whatnot. And you know, we've talked about even something as simple as if somebody goes in to a game and they're wearing the default outfit, they're automatically an outcast. It's, so, and the other idea of dismissing criticism, which is not new, admittedly. But the idea that, you know, if, if you, if, I bring it up a lot. I, I say, not my problem, not a real problem. That's that's the way I put it, and that's that's become a real problem, you know, in in our community. The the idea that oh, I don't play that mode, so I don't care. Uh, your your disagree, your your criticisms don't matter. Certainly not to me because I'm not playing the mode. And it goes back to what you were saying. The the right way to look at it. I strongly feel is, is what you were saying earlier is that you don't play these modes, but you still want for the people who do play those modes, you want them to have the best possible experience. And we should all want that for each other because quite frankly, companies are not going to look out for us. Developers will. When I say developers in this sense, I'm talking about the actual people on the development team. So the dev team will, they will listen to feedback. We've talked about bad responses there and before, but generally speaking, you do have people like Baluba polling the community for things that they want. You have other, uh, People also other on the development team asking for that feedback as well. When I say that the company itself, Take Two, Two K Sports, whatever, they're not going to be looking out for us because they're going to be looking out for their shareholders on the bottom line. Which that is the reality. That is how. That is business. That is that is the way it works. But at the same time, we have to look, realize that, and and stand together and look out for each other because, again, why, why is a corporation going to look out for us when that, what they are interested in is is the bottom line? And it doesn't matter. I mean, you look what they've done with GTA, with GTA Online. They obviously make a lot of money of that. It's, I mean, the executives, the suits, and I talked about this in the Monday Tip-Off article, it doesn't matter what the game is, really. Some of them may or may not be basketball fans. That's neither here nor there. 2K is a, is a, a means to an end as far as making money off, off recurrent revenue. It could be it could be an open world. It could be GTA, it could be open world, it could be basketball, it could be anything as long as they can put those 
instruct the developers to put those mechanics in there, then that's you know that's gravy. So we have to look out for each other on this, and we can't dismiss these criticisms that we have. We you know if somebody comes up with something ridiculous, we might say, okay, mate, you're uh, you've been a bit silly there. But when people do have legitimate criticisms and it's and it's outlined and you can see that it's actually got a point to to invalidate that on them and to to defend a company that's that's certainly not our friend it's uh again not to overuse the term on this podcast but it does boggle the mind that people will side with the uh, with the executives over each other over their fellow gamers well you've seen this this many times i know you have i think we've talked about this before um there the comments of people saying well we're lucky they even make the game and the comments also of you know well look at all the content they give us stop your complaining that doesn't make the critiques go away. That just just because the, the game has a lot of content, uh, content, and because the game was made, and because it's popular, doesn't mean that the critiques aren't valid. Doesn't mean that certain aspects of the game are hurting the experience as a whole and making somebody get less enjoyment than um, than they should, you know, out of the game. So i've seen that so many times where people were like you know shut up stop your complaining you know we're lucky they even release this game with this much content mm. no that's not the way this works that's excusing that's giving them an excuse like don't shut me up about actual complaints and the gouging of people's pockets and the issues between the lines and and don't try to shut me up just because they released a game i paid for the game <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Money. And um, they're making one hell of a profit off of their game, especially being the only basketball gaming um, option um, in that space. So uh, just some of the excuses are mind-boggling. It is one of those things that we do see as older gamers because we've been around the block a few times. We've played our, our fair share of really good games and also our share of really bad games. So we, we've seen these things happen. And it's it's hard to be harder to be naive, I suppose, and and uh, and, and cynicism does uh, does you know come into the equation. We can get too cynical at times, but we we have we've been there. We we've seen what they do. We we, we can see very clearly what they're doing, because, and we've also seen what again compare that to what they used to do and what they do now. It's uh, I think it's something that we're very aware of as older gamers. You know, we've talked about broken games and. I'll admit to, the, to putting in effort to try and uh, enjoy a broken game because I, I don't really uh, trade in my games that much. Certainly not the basketball games. I keep them in my collection and, and therefore have a very extensive collection these days of basketball games. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, how weird I am. Well, actually, that, that's a, don't answer that question. That, that's a very open-ended question. But as far as basketball games go, um, how, how unusual I am as far as trying to really enjoy a broken game. Because there are a couple of games over the years, and, and maybe you're the same, that you've spent the money on them, you've put some time into it, and you just think, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best to enjoy this game. And it's, I think it's possible, but it's, you, you've really got to let some stuff slide to enjoy a broken game. Both of us are weird, and both of us have similar mindsets around this, and both of us have similar collections. Um, so 2K18, if you remember, I, for the first two months maybe of the game's release, I did nothing but try to enjoy it. Mm. I, all, all it was was uh, like slider adjustments every day, um, messing with things in the game, and I did everything I possibly could. Um, I literally go all out on games 
um, to try to enjoy them and give it every last fleeting chance, you know, to be a part of my regular, you know, routine of gaming. Uh, 2K18 didn't make it, obviously. Um, but, you know, I go back and even broken games like Live 07, I still go back and I still put those games on at times. And I love having them as part of the collection because it's nice to go back and just get a little bit of a different gameplay experience at times. It's nice to go back and look at the games. Um, it's fun to see, you know, where they were at at the time and, you know, the rosters and the players and the different, um, the different time period it was because, you know, live 2007 was released in, you know, 2006. And that's, that's almost 15 years ago now. Which is scary. That's 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's scary. Yeah. It makes me feel incredibly old. Indeed. The old head, the old head I am. Um, <laughs> older, no, older, I, head. older and headed <laughs> than ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Fox Sports Basketball 2000 is a perfect example of a broken <laughs> game that I don't like. Yeah. Um, but guess what? Do you think I regret having it in my collection? Not, Absolutely yeah, not. You not, threw yeah, it on yeah. the other night for the hell of it? I did. Um, so that's just how I operate. Certainly, I, th- I think that is something, we, and it, I believe we harkens back to a previous discussion we had, is that when you get rid of those expectations, when you revisit a game and you know it's broken, you know what you're going to get, it's no longer the current game, so you may have a better one that's come out since that you can play if you really want that quality experience. But if you just want to go back and, as you say, uh, revisit games like a time capsule, like an interactive almanac, as I have like to say in various articles, that just keeps coming up because I was so pleased with myself being uh, when I came up with that thing. I'm sure I'm not the first to say it, but nevertheless, there you go. It's You don't have those expectations. You kind of look at it with fresher eyes, with more forgiving eyes in some cases. Uh, certainly with a game like Fox Sports NBA Basketball 2000, I just find it so funny with some of the... It does have its good points, but it just does so many things that's really weird about it, some of those faces. Some of the things it does with its modes and gameplay is just so funny that uh, because I have no expectations, because back then I had such a great time with NBA Live 2000 that it really doesn't matter that this game I picked up off fairly cheap off eBay just to see what it was like and to do a Way Back Wednesday on it. It's... Uh, I, I can enjoy it for what it is, and and certainly going back to uh, some of those, those games like 07, as I as you mentioned and I've mentioned it before, you can uh, you can appreciate it more. Uh, I, I look back at a game like Live 15 though that I, I really put a lot of time into when it was new, uh, knowing how broken it was, but just very much like 2K18 with you and and I, I did that with 2K18 as well. That you know you've got it, you want to make the best, you want to make something out of it, you want to change the sliders, you want to push through and see if you can just. Uh, get used to the, uh, the the legacy issues and some of the new issues and just see if you can get used to it because there is always something in a new game that you need to get you a bit used to and it's it's very easy to have that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, this game is terrible because something is different and, you know, as much as we ask for things to not be the same, we also ask for them not to be different either. So in, in, that, in that case, I can I really do uh, sympathize with anyone who's, who's creative, obviously, but certainly uh, in this case, developers of basketball video games it's, it, we are sometimes quite hard to please as far as asking for new and yet asking for old at the same time. But yeah, th- there's definitely been games like Live 15, like 2K18, at least for a while. Live 15 I played, but that is actually why I do think that that, uh, that modes are so important because I really enjoyed Ultimate Team in Live 15, much as you enjoyed uh, my team in 2K15, actually. And it was I had so much fun with it collecting the the retro players and everything, obviously, and had my 90s All-Stars minus Michael Jordan. Unfortunately, minus Scottie Pippen. I did get him in Live 18, fortunately. But even with Live 18, with his problems as well, I 
there was something about the mode that drew me in. I was still having fun. I was still enjoying it. And I, I just, I got used to the gameplay. I kind of started working around the gameplay and, and I knew its quirks. And I think that's something you do. And I, I'd kind of uh, compare it to an old school platformer where it has wonky mechanics as a, as a platform game, you know, like a, that even though it was perfected in 1985 with the very first Mario Brothers and, and how good that was, there were so many platformers that came after the uh, what, what Nintendo was doing with the Mario series that were nowhere near as good, even though the technology was clearly there. But some of them you just got used to the broken mechanics. And it, we, we are resourceful that way as gamers, I feel, that we can, over if, if we like something about the game enough, we'll find a way to like the game, you know, even, even as broken as it may be. After Mario, it's funny. There's uh, there was like you said, there was a bunch of platformers that were just not very good, and then that continued into like Super Nintendo and Sega, yeah. like yeah. game like Chuck Rock. Chuck Rock was terrible. Mm. Um, but then you had great platformers like uh, Earthworm Jim and Boogerman. Donkey those Kong. those were Donkey Kong. Game or Donkey Kong. There's just games are, and when I say platformers, you know, we're just talking about like the side view of. Um, yeah, of 2D, games 2D and stuff. Always, yeah. yeah, 2D. Um, but yeah, I think Live 18 and Live 19 are games that I really tried to give a chance. Um, Live 18, I had update, uh, I had uploaded some gameplay videos of me on Ultimate Team. Um, but I think as a, as a game as a whole, Live 18 was broken. I want to say for for at least my experience, I didn't like the way the players moved, the shots on the move, um, the the. Uh, the animations and the paint and, and all of that stuff. I didn't really enjoy um, in the, the input lag. I didn't really enjoy live 18, but like you, you know, I really tried to jump into ultimate team and really tried to give the game a chance. Uh, there's a threshold, live... there's a threshold for, for being able to tolerate it, of course. Right, exactly. And then in, and then live 19, I thought the demo was great. And then the first, you know, week or two of the game was fine. And I really gave that game a ton of play and tons of videos online and, and all of that stuff. And then after they patched it, it, that the patch broke the game. And then I was like, I'm done with it. Uh, so it's funny how that works. And of course, mods can can have a, 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 an effect here as well. Because if there, there's been a lot of games that have not been really good, but they've been very moddable. And it's gotten to the point where I've had discussions with... Uh, with people before and i brought it up in articles that it, it does feel like some people would rather mod a broken game than play a good one which as much as i appreciate the modding community i i've not as not as been as active in uh, recent years as i used to be with nba live back in the day but i would much rather have a game that is both moddable and fun to play because it's it's kind of not worth making this great retro season roster if the game is not fun what because it's a lot of work to just look at and scroll through and take screenshots of you know it's you want to actually play the game which uh, theoretically anyway but that, to that point i think mods have played that role in making broken games more appealing either because we've just overlooked the problems because the mod has been so good or because it's been so moddable and in some cases when we've really been able to do something with mods is has actually fixed the game to a certain point and sliders help and mods help but i, I do think that uh, the mods have, have certainly played a role in making a broken game at least a little bit more appealing absolutely and that's why i say that it's important for ea sports if they ever release another nba live in my lifetime um it'd be <laughs> very i think it's important for them to um be on pc um it's not just about the mods it's about 
the um, exposure they get behind the mods. It's about the content um, that they upload to YouTube with the mods, you know, that the users will upload. It's the millions of impressions those videos get. It's the people that see those mods and then, in turn, learn more about the game and say, hey, you know what, this doesn't look that bad, and then they go out and buy it, right? And it doesn't need to be for PC. It's just giving them more exposure exposure to NBA Live. And I think that that is incredibly underrated in this. It's not, it's not about the number of gamers they get on PC if they release to, to PC. It's the amount of exposure it draws to them. Do you know what I mean? And By those impressions. And goodwill. Yeah, and goodwill. Yep, and goodwill goes a long way, as we've talked about before. So I think it's vital for EA or anybody else that comes into the basketball gaming space to get on PC, especially in this day and age where mods are more well-known. They're not as well-known as they should be. Um, but they're more well known, and and also because you have the the digital distribution platforms, is, is you no longer have to have physical copies of PC. Although it, that's kind of a shame in some respects because of issues with uh, eventually things get taken off Steam Store, for example, and things like that, and uh, the appeal of being able to hold that physical copy in your hands and all and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, you don't have the overhead of having to press discs and everything for the PC version. It's it's all digital now. Yeah, and that's to be boy. Do you miss that? Like I do, I miss it. I you know physical. Copies. I know this. Um, this is going to be such an old head thing. This is. I, you, forgive me. I miss walking into Blockbuster. I miss walking into a video store, and I miss getting a game to rent or um, or even um, you know browsing through a movie section. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I miss yeah. it. I I miss having that physical copy. I miss the experience. Um, you know, I still go into GameSpot um, or Stop to get my controllers, and um, I'll get physical copies of games when I can, and all of that Same. stuff. And it's still such a great experience it's, to it's be able very to pick nostalgic up the for me. And it's there is something special about being able to hold that game in your hands and have, you know take that take the game home, not just wait for it to download, but take it home. There's a convenience in in digital distribution, obviously. But it, it's funny because I, I, a couple of years ago I was seeing everyone saying, oh, DVDs, Blu-rays, who's, who's getting those anymore? It's all about streaming, you know, dinosaurs, old heads, etc. And then, of course, the streaming services, uh, they started losing programming. And so and movies and, and TV shows started leaving Netflix. And then, of course, Disney launches their own. And so now you've got to have three or four different streaming services. So it's just like cable TV back in the day, you know, as far as cost goes. So it's one of those things where if, if it gets taken off, that's that streaming platform then suddenly if you've got physical media dvds blu-rays whatever suddenly it's it's not an issue anymore so there is definitely something very convenient and very special about the the physical release and of course if you had things like a nice manual back in the day or, or some kind of other feelies that they do used to do for adventure games things like that were, were very exciting very uh, got you in the well, mood and everything to yeah. play yeah i in an example of that sorry to interrupt there's an example of that um you know, and this isn't basketball related, but it can it can be brought back to basketball. One of the most exciting moments for like my brother was getting, you know, the Final Fantasy VII bought like the game and like the multiple disc set, and getting the strategy guide with it. You know, or, or getting um, you know Final Fantasy VIII in the strategy guide, or you know we had talked about it getting like NBA Fast Break '98 and opening up the manual and it had like the basketball in the background. You know Absolutely, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Um, there is something about having something in hand 
not just as a collector's item, but just to look at. And there's there's definitely a novelty to it, and um, I miss it. And you know, and I want to give an example of how that experience has eroded. Is and this is going back to Final Fantasy VII. They just released the Final Fantasy VII remake. Do you think he has a strategy guide or a <laughs> box for it? Yeah. Not at all. Absolutely yeah. not. But what he has is he has he had to get it digitally, and then if he wants to look up anything, he goes online, right? He doesn't have his book, his strategy guide with pictures and all of this stuff. Um, it's just it's a shame. It's it, it does make me a little bit sad. It is one of those byproducts of being an older gamer. I suppose we do remember those that uh, classic era of uh, of gaming when we, when that was a thing. And uh, the, the other thing with, with basketball gaming is, uh, you know, the, the final point I'd bring up as far as being the, that's uh, being an older gamer is, is that greater interest in the retro content. And I've, I've seen this before, not just with, with NBA games. I've seen it in the forum with, uh, with Soru talking about the WWE games, how he would be talking about how he wanted to see all the legends from back in the day, Hulk Hogan's, Macho Man, Randy Savage, etc., from the, the golden era, from Hulkamania, the golden era of wrestling. Um, and of course, somebody like myself, maybe more the attitude era of the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, that's where the where the nostalgia is, and talking about wanting to see those wrestlers in the game. Of course, some of them can't appear because they're not necessarily on good terms with the company anymore. But that's a whole other debate. But and we, and we were talking about it. And I remember saying, "Well, it's I agree that that those wrestlers are, you know, those are the ones that we grew up with and have more interest in than some maybe some of the characters these days and the, and the people portraying them these days." But they are aiming it at that younger audience. And we are seeing that with, with 2K, that we don't have the, and we've talked about it at length before, the lack of accuracy in various historical players, for example. A lot of younger players, uh, younger gamers, don't necessarily care about that. Or, and, and that is a problem, of course, as, as far as giving them the wrong impression of certain players, and we've mentioned that at length. But for us, it's, it's a shame to, to fire up those retro teams and see them disappear for a start, or see players disappearing or players absent from them, and, and that lack of completion, the, the lack of a mode, especially after getting two great modes like the Jordan Challenge and NBA's Greatest, not having those anymore, it's, it's a shame. And we really, I think we really have that more interest in that because we can now play with those players with better tech. And as much as I have the, uh, the nostalgia for, for example, the 96 season, to be able to play with 9096 rosters, for example, with a more up-to-date game, it's, it is a better experience overall. Right, exactly. Graphically and gameplay-wise and authenticity-wise, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I do think that that factors in as far as the age of the gamer. I think it's frustrating a little bit because of the lack of detail, attention to detail on the classic teams because the media isn't giving, um, and the broadcasts and whatnot on TV, they're they're not giving um, people enough detail and knowledge um, they're not teaching the younger generation about these, these past seasons, right? They're not teaching them about these players. Um, if anything, it's just a tidbit about a stat or something like that. Um, and like we had talked about on a prior podcast, you can learn a lot from video games if it's done right. As far as um, players on teams, you know, how they played, um, you know, how good they were and all of that stuff. And I don't think the attention to to detail is where it needs to be. Um, But as far as mods go, and this is why PC is awesome, is like you said, going back and being able to play like a 96 season or a 93 season or an 80 season, uh, early 2000 season, all of that, um, 
you know, with full rosters that are more accurate than what 2K gives you by default as far as, like, detail and whatnot with their default classic teams. Um, it's incredibly underrated, and it is really cool to see those guys and teams um, with the new tech. I'd, I'd love to bring it to NBA 2K11. Like a, a, a 2K11 is so good. My brother and I, so I'm playing 2K12 last night. I was going, like, back and forth before I watched that jazz game. We were playing 2K, 2K, 2K12 and 2K11, and there's just something about those two games. Hmm. There's just something about the gameplay. There's something really enjoyable about the way the players move and how the games feel. And even though it didn't have right stick dribbling um, at that point, um, there's something special about the animations and the feel of those two games. It's very fluid. Like, e- even though it doesn't have the, the depth of the controls <laughs> that I'd like with the, with the right stick control, with the right stick dribbling, it still, it still feels very good. Now that I'm more used to 2K's style, at the time I was still, as I've said before, getting coming to grips with it. But now that I've gotten used to it, and you know, I, I'm inevitably going to throw up a, a, a full-court shot if I play 2K11 for the first time in a while because I, by instinct, hit the right stick and up goes the shot. But apart from that, it, it, does feel, it feels really good and very fluid and, and looks great. It, it holds up really well, which is why I want to get this roster done and explore some other roster ideas for, uh, for 2K11. It, because we had that morning explosion with 2K12 with the uh, first Ultimate Base roster and everything, and by the time we had all the tools and the interest to do that, and there was more people in the community with the passion and the knowledge and the know and the knowledge and know-how, knowledge and the tools to do it uh, with the uh, proper full in-depth redditor, we'd kind of moved on from 2K11. So it's, it's with with people being more interested in that game, it's it's been fun to go back and again why i want to get this project done and, and take a look at doing some others because it's it's one of those games that we just in, in a way has untapped modding potential because 2k12 was the modding explosion and 2k12 also a great game and those mods made it even better and it even drew people into the pc version to see what uh, ubr was doing back in the day but 2k11 unfortunately i think was kind of overlooked as, as much as it's held in high esteem as far as the modding potential of 2k11 i do think it's untapped you know, and the other thing, too, with 2K11, and, and I've mentioned this, newer isn't always better, 2K11 does a lot better things in, in many ways than 2K20 gameplay-wise. We talk about the gameplay between the lines. The shooting animations are far more fluid and feel better in 2K11 than 2K20. Um, 2K20 shooting is rushed. We've talked about this before. Um, all shot animations feel rushed in 2K20, basically, unless you have, like, Kobe's base. Um, that's That's about it. But the defense is far more sound. The defense makes more sense. You have to use more strategy in 2K11. Um, and the graphics are still very nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think 2K11 on the PC might be a little bit underrated and underappreciated. And I, I look at 2K9, 2K10, and 2K11 in a similar light, modding-wise. There, There's so much untapped potential in all three of them. It's, it's one of those things where if a game holds up well enough, we, we saw it with Live 2000 for many years that people loved that game, rightfully so, that you were still making mods for it. Even 06 or 2004, the, the, the highlights of the series for a while there, at least for a decade or so, at this time, they're getting a bit too old to play uh, regularly for a lot of people. Although, that's not, to, that's not to say that we shouldn't do anything with them, because that'd be very fun to do. There's people going back and still modding the console versions of the ROMs of NBA Live 95 and 96, and uh, Tecmo and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. And NBA, NBA Jam 
uh, mods of, of the ROMs. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely would never discourage that. Uh, it does get to a, a certain point where certain gamers, you know, it, it would be easy for you and I maybe to go back to those games and play a modded NBA Live 96, for example. For, for younger gamers, it probably would be 2K11 is kind of that cutoff point, I think, for a lot of people that really got into gaming in the over the last decade or so. And it's for a lot of people, much as NBA Live 95 or a game like that would, would have been one of the first, if not the first games we played. Uh, 2K11 is probably the first for many other people, or younger gamers who got into it over the past uh, 10, 15 years. Um, one, of the, one of the first, if not the first. So it's definitely worth doing and, and bringing that... Uh, there's real value in putting the, the new in the old and, and getting that updated experience that you can play with the current players, but in that really familiar and, in some cases, superior uh, experience. And at the same time, 2K11 being as moddable as it is to be able to go back a few seasons or many seasons and do those retro rosters and and special teams. And I actually put a poll out on both our Twitter and Facebook, uh, the NLSC on Facebook and Twitter, of course, uh, asking people about uh, when it comes to retro roster mods that feature a variety of throwback teams, uh, much like uh, some of the, the mods that you've made, Derek, uh, whether people prefer a mixed assortment of teams that all fit the theme of the mod, um, again, like an ultimate draft roster as, you, as you've done, or the classic team rosters, or whether they want each team to have their own specific opponent for the same season. Now, very interesting results in so much as it was quite close, but at the same time, it, it, it was different preferences on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, 55.6% uh, preferred the assortment of teams, just everything that fits the mod, and maybe some of them line up, and maybe some of them don't. Uh, on Facebook, however, uh, it actually went the other way, uh, 53% would prefer to see an opponent for each team rather than assortment of teams. Uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, way that both polls were quite close, so people have kind of go either way on it, I suppose, in some respects. But at the same time that one platform seemed to... Uh, <laughs> one social media platform seemed to prefer one over the other. I think it uh, depends on which mode the user's playing the most. Mm. Um, I think if you're jumping into my league, you're going to want to have an assortment of teams, right? If you're jumping, if you're mostly a play now person, um, then maybe you want to pit teams against each other who played against each other in that year Makes in the sense. same season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to get um, a wide range of reactions. I think, um, I think both mods hold value. Um, I'm very proud of the 2K17 rosters that I released um, because I think they were very complete, and I think that a lot of people enjoyed them. Um, but I did have a couple comments where they said, well, you put in the 0506 Lakers. Can you put in the 0506 Raptors? Mm. <laughs> Obviously, people want to score 81 with Kobe, and I don't, I, and I don't blame them. Um, Against the specific opponent to... and specific player. Right, exactly. Right. Um, and then you had people say, well, you put in the 0910 Suns, um, you know, we'd like to see the 0910 Lakers. And of course, I did that in the roster, too. Um, so I think if you do the roster right, you can get a mixture of both of those ideas. If you have enough roster space and enough time on your hands and you want to add 40 or 50 teams, you may be able to do a combination of both. You may be able to get like the best teams of all times or the most interesting teams, but then also put some of their opponents in there so it hits the play now and my league crowd. For sure. And it does depend on the, the concept of the mod uh, you know, that you're actually putting together, whether, whether, it, whether it is going to be that mixture of teams to, that are maybe some of them are around about the same time, so you can kind of have a uh, either the, the contrast of very different eras or the, or the similarity of 
years that are very close together. And I put it out there because I do have some ideas for different retro team mods that I'd like to do once I've finished the 2K11 current rosters. Uh, it, again, which is why it's kind of funny that I've had the different results on both platforms because it's hard to get a, a gauge of what, what people want because uh, you've got the different options winning on, on the two different uh, social media platforms. But it is very even, which suggests that people are quite happy to to go either way. And, for example, with the Ultimate Jordan project that I'd like to do and have been working on for, a, you know, it's been there on the backbone of NBA Live and I'd like to bring it to 2K as well, that whole idea is to have the 15 replacing the 30 NBA teams with 15 teams of Michael Jordan, the 13 Bulls teams and two uh, Wizards teams and a year-specific opponent. So for that project, it is definitely year-specific and any other, any other teams that I would add would be opponents for any any one of these particular Bulls teams. So that the, the very concept of that mod requires very specific year-to-year opponents for the 15 uh, Michael Jordan teams that he was on for his 15 years of his career. Uh, so th- there is that, but then the others I've thought about with, uh, for example, one idea that, that I've tossed around in my head is the uh, the idea of the worst teams, the, the teams that would never be included within, among 2K's retro teams because it's like the the uh, the Nuggets team in 1997-98 that lost uh, 70 games, or the Dallas Mavericks teams that did the same from the earlier in the 90s as well. Things like the, the idea of playing with the worst retro teams of history. Or, or or odd teams like the 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 one the one game the Atlanta Hawks played with Rasheed Wallace things like that and would you necessarily have to have an opponent for them or is it just having this assortment of really weird and wonderful teams that they can all go against each other it's uh, it's one of those things where you could go either way with it and I think it would be quite fun. No, I agree. I, I love ideas like that. I don't think they have the same mass appeal, but I think that they have um, their share of gamers who will play them. You know, one thing I wanted to say about 2K11 really quick, where we talked about goodwill. One thing that they could have done with the Jordan Challenge is just have the Jordan Challenge as a separate mode, and then, you know, all the teams that Jordan played, you only played against them and saw them in that mode, right? But what they did was they had those classic teams in the default roster. Yep. And I think that added goodwill. The fact that people were able to use those teams um, outside of the Jordan Challenge was awesome. And I wish Live would adopt that mindset with their retro content with what they do with Ultimate Team and put out a Legends pool or get those guys in, in an offline usable capacity, right? Absolutely. So I did, I did want to bring that up. I, I think it does add goodwill and it adds more exposure to the game. You see more videos on it even back then. Um, and I think it gets people talking. And I think it draws more interest to the game. But as far as the ideas for your roster, yeah, I mean, you could put in the 15, 60, 15 and 67, 96, 97 Celtics, the 70 lost Denver Nuggets, the uh, the 21 win Dominique Wilkins Spurs mm-hmm. uh, from 96, 97. You could do a roster like that, and I think some people would play it. Um, I, I, I don't think that a roster like that has the same mass appeal. Um, which I think I think you could agree with. Oh, absolutely! It's I mean that's just one of diff- many different ideas that so you can do. Yes, um, yeah. and, and it's one of those things where, when in doing that, do you have the year the, an opponent from that same season for them to go up against? Maybe a better team to try and you know, to, an, an underdog kind of story to do. Do you set up? Do you set up a scenario, or do you just let it be uh, all these fantastic teams based? Or there's not fantastic teams in record, but all these creative ideas i should say these creative ideas for retro teams in a roster do you do it that way and just have the mix and match them because i know you've done it that way as well and, it, and it's worked out really well but as you said then adding a spe- your specific opponent has really appealed to people as well so you can go either way 
And the, the other thing that uh, I know you've done with the roster, especially with the, the fantasy draft roster, is to avoid duplicates, to not have players on more than one version of, of the player. So, and, and that goes against um, kind of the, the 2K approach, especially with their all-time teams, which is to have multiple versions of players. For, again, a player like a Shaq or a Will Chamberlain that played for two or three or more teams to, to appear on each of those teams' rosters. That's something you've avoided, and that's an interesting approach as well because it does avoid it. it I think as, as well as being able to make it more mildly compatible, is is also very challenging to do, especially because there's a lot of journeymen who uh, who appear on the rosters of of different teams, and 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 to not have any duplicates is is quite uh, quite the task. Right, I love my um, the all time teams roster with no duplicates that I created for two K seventeen, and that actually. I released that during the game's original cycle, and that got a lot of um, people playing it. And it's because, you know, there are a lot of people out there that don't want to see, you know, they don't want to do Miami versus Orlando and have Shaq go up against Shaq. That hurts the experience for them. Um, there's something great about, and we also, we had, we had, we had season-specific portraits, team-specific portraits for every player in the roster. 100% of the players had portraits. So it was really cool to go like through the teams and, and look at them and look at all the players in their jerseys and, and whatnot. It's also fun to think about, hey, who was this player the best for, right? Like players like Jamal Mashburn, do you put him with the Heat or the Hornets? Hmm. Like stuff like that. Um, so it's fun to look at it that way as well. Um, but it's also great for my league as far as like the, the league leaders go and whatnot. You know, you don't see three shacks at the top of shot blocking. You see one Shaq, and it's that in the Shaq that you see at top of shot block, and you know which team he plays for, right? So I think that um, if, if I ever do an all-time teams roster again, I would do it exactly the same way. Um, and I think there is a mass appeal for uh, a no-duplicate all-time teams roster, and there's something there's something fun about it. Absolutely. There, there's definitely a call for it, I think, and the popularity of your mod speaks for itself. Uh, I, I think there's also value in having the some people do want to have that all-time roster. You know, if you get all the best players who ever played for this team together, there's value in that okay. as well. And that, that's obviously why 2K does it. But it's, it, it is, as you pointed out, not very mildly compatible because then you do have multiple shacks going up against each other and appearing in the league leaders. And it's it does take... I mean, obviously it's a fantasy mode, but some it's funny. One of the funny things about fantasy is that it's, you know, how far do you stretch it before it doesn't... before it stops being fun. Right, exactly. Um, I think giving we talk about depth. I think when you mod and you make rosters, it's important to add depth to the roster um, or give people other options. And I think that's what uh, I think kind of both of us are getting at in this conversation as well, whether directly talking about it or mentioning it or not. Um, with the 2K17 rosters, I released a fantasy draft roster, an all-time teams roster with no duplicates, and the classic teams roster. So in my own way, I gave depth right, mm. to the game, and I gave people options. Um, I think that the ultimate base roster and the URB with Skodem and Slim, I think that what they've done is they've added a ton of depth to the game within their mods. They give all the single-season rosters. They, do the, um, they have an all-time teams roster. Skodam and Slim are still expanding on that, and I find that fascinating. You know, good for them for 2K13 and 2K14. Um, and that really appeals to get... people like us that love that retro stuff, that you have the accurate season rosters, plus you've also got those various variations of the Legends rosters 
But uh, actually, one thing that I would love to do, and it's, it's on the list of ideas of if we can have put it together, is the all-time All-Stars rosters. Because we, we always do retro teams like a you know, 96 Bulls or, or etc. But not many people do the All-Star teams. And to be able to, have, to replace all the NBA teams with just different years of All-Star teams and to be able to recreate that, I think would be really special. I'd play that. Um, I think that you run into duplicates, obviously, um, doing that. There's no way to avoid it. But I think that, you know, Han Roster did something like that where they added, I, th- I want to say, like four or five different all-star teams mm. in their mod, and there were a lot of people that liked that. It's more, it's more uh, of a play now thing, I think, that one. That, that's, uh, that one I envision as a, yeah. a play now roster. Or, or, yeah. But you know what's great about that, and we've talked about this before, and something kind of lost in the NBA now is the amazing art on the jerseys, mm. the amazing courts um the you know the all-star courts and the um just that atmosphere that there used to be with the all-star game um it would be really cool to see a mod like that where we could jump in and you know see the those the cactus jerseys yep yep um uh, you know all-star jerseys and 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 whatnot and it just the there's just there's so much nostalgia with that and it's something that 2k is obviously trying to tap into with retro teams and stuck in my team as well but what mods can just take it so much further yeah um i think what happens though is is nba live limits themselves by not allowing people to you know have a release on pc yeah because if people how do you think people would react if they were play if they saw even nba live 19 because nba live 19 was not bad animation wise and graphics wise it was still still pretty solid imagine people how it. yeah i mean there's people that liked it um, even reviewers who never give live good scores, um, you know, they gave it about an eight. Like I think it was a seven point seven. I want to say from IGN or something like that. Um, One of the best reviewed but, so know, far, yeah. Yeah, but you know, get those games. You know, on, you know, somebody uploads a video on YouTube of a past All Star game from PC with the correct court and the correct jerseys. That would shine. That would get people to open their eyes and you know pay attention and and, and whatnot. I, I just think it's it's so valuable to have a game on PC because of that. No question. It's it's why we've always really advocated for the PC version in our community because we saw for, from the very beginning before we could even do anything with the art files and and just we we really had to work hard to get the the rosters done for NBA Live '95 because of the way the the text strings were stored and you can go back and listen to my uh, interview with uh, Rod Redikoff about that and get some insights into that. But even, even before we could really go as hard as we could and as deep as we could with the mods, we, people were making those retro season rosters for live 95 and 96 PC. And it's, it's why we've, we've wanted it, why we were so disheartened when NBA live made, when EA made that announcement, that NBA live wasn't coming to PC anymore with live 09 and, and why people were so excited when 2K9 uh, came to PC and we hoped that it would become as moddable as uh, live had and, in, in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't, but we, we've certainly made the best of it, and, and it's it's great to see, and it's it's why we're still looking at doing things for games that we love, and it's like 2K11, like 2K16, like 2K17, and, and certainly they're very active uh, modding communities for still 2K14 and uh, 2K20 as well, naturally being the, the latest game, and a lot, lot of interest in that, but there, there is something special about updating that game that that people really love and that, that that holds up as well as 2K11 and other games like that from around that era do. Um, so it's it's always worth uh, making those mods. And I do think they find an audience even years later. Maybe it's not as big as when the game is new, but at the same time there are those people who will dust it off. And you look at that video, and again, shout out to Dom2K for, for putting that video together and to, for, for, to, uh, to link to 2K uh, Love's thread in our forum. 
to where to let the people know where to get that mod. Uh, it, it's something that clearly does get people's attention these years later, and why people do. Why, why there's even still people modding those games back to the eighties, like the uh, the football games, like the Tecmo football games, and things like that, is that people love that gameplay. It still resonates with them all these years later. And if they can do something like put retro rosters in there, or put current rosters in an old game, and things like that, it's uh, it's, it's such a great novelty, and it can really freshen up that experience. So it, people may not want to dust off 2K11 to play with 2011 rosters. Uh, they may, they may do, they may well do. But at the same time, if you can give them something different like a, a current roster or retro teams, things like that, or even expand the retro teams that are in the game uh, by default, it's, uh, yeah, it, it really is something special. It's, it's why we love modding so much. Yeah, I, I think we talked about it. When you're modding those games, a lot of what you're doing is for the love of it. When you're when you're modding games 2K14 and prior on last gen, um, your audience isn't even close to as big as if you were doing it during the game cycle. Um, so I think a lot of one of the frustrations can be is, you know, I'm you know I'm putting hundreds of hours into this mod, and people aren't really talking about it. People aren't talking mm. about it on the. People are not talking about it on my thread. I can relate, people, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that can get frustrating. But at the end of the day, you're doing it because you love it, because you enjoy modding it, because you love that game, and because you know that you'll still have somewhat of an audience and there you will help people's experience improve with the game. So smaller audience, but you've got to do it for the love of the game at that point. And really, I think modding should be for the love of the hobby and the games themselves, regardless. Because obviously, we, we've talked about this before about people really focusing on on clout or, or making money and trying to get uh, ad links and things like that, and how we're not really trying to encourage that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and something else I wanted to bring up, just as we uh, we finish up talking about some modding here, is the, the people when they don't get that response and when they just kind of piece out of the community or when that you. You, you brought it up when you, to me uh, when we were talking about it before we started recording, or actually a few days before we started recording, the uh, the infamous uh, dot. You know, when the uh, the release thread goes to it, the title suddenly changes to a dot, and the, the preview disappear, and the links disappear, and suddenly they've just gone either to get attention or because they're not getting enough attention, and it it's really goes against what our modding community is supposed to be about and what, why we do this whole... Uh, why the hobby of modding is a thing, and it's 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 kind of rude. It's... It's it's not the done thing. It, it's it's disrespectful, I think, to to the community, really. Hundred percent. And I brought up one of the threads that did that. Um, I think that they're not modding for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, they're not. The uh, some people have been a lot more people recently have been modding for income. Um, they've been modding for attention and for donations or flat out charging for mods. Now, obviously we don't allow that on the NLSC, but they're going different avenues like on Facebook or, um, finding a way to do it through Patreon. Um, but also saying, Hey, this is Patreon only. So this is the only way you can get my mods. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, which is charging for mods, which is charging for mods right because you can't get it without paying it's charging for mods um so i think that a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons um like for example my reason for modding for 2k19 right now and making faces is because one i love the game right now i'm enjoying the game um two because i want to help the bigger i love the group stildo and peaceman not and all of that stuff and sticky fingers is in the group as well um i like helping them out i enjoy that and um, also, it's fun to make faces right now. 
it's fun to, you know, work on the craft and, and make faces and try to make guys look like they did in real life and see them in the roster and all of that stuff. None of us in this entire group are doing anything for a profit. None of us are also, do, we're not doing it for attention either. We want to just make the, the roster the best it possibly can be and release it and have people enjoy it. That, that's it. And I think that's what modding should be about. Absolutely. That is the, uh, to bring back that phrase, the essence of modding. The essence of modding, which that's, that, that book will never be fully written. No. It will, it will no. be an ongoing, an ongoing thing. And also a Patreon exclusive, so, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. It's $5 per page. That's, that's basically what it is. You know the, the people are charging for mods right now? It's crazy. It is. People are yeah. going to pay for it, too. There's, you know, there's people that are spending $5, $10, excuse me, charging $5, $10, $15, even $20 per Cyberface. And some people are giving these modders, like, not, not to encourage anybody who's listening, like, don't get... I wouldn't recommend getting ideas about this, but some people are spending 500 to a thousand dollars on, you know, giving that to somebody who will make faces or something for a roster. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to be able to, you know, to be making off of modding. And some of these modders are, are charging people and, and giving them work for separate projects. Um, and there, some of these modders are making some good money doing this. And I think that it's unfortunate. Because modding should not be, um, uh, it shouldn't. You shouldn't be. First off, it's illegal. Um, second off, that's not how the community should work. Well, see, that's that's why two K doesn't want to support. What doesn't want to support modding because that's five hundred dollars that could be going towards VC. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and listen. But you, you're you get... right. You're you're absolutely right. It's it's not the way it's, it's to to do it, and it's. An astounding amount to pay for something that a lot of people release great work for free, and hats off to everybody who continues to uphold that tradition and that, those values in our community. Yeah, there's some people that are doing a really good job with that, um, and you know, there's people, there's there's creators like plugin guys, like Thundershack's most, and he knows this. We talked about, you know, he's mostly like that plugin guy. Like he'll he'll do the cheat engine stuff. By the way, the cheat engine stuff is not easy. Even though we have great tools, you still have to learn the stuff. You know, there's plug-in guys, and then there's people that create art, and then there's people who do a little bit of art but are mostly just plug-in guys um, and whatnot. And the amount of questions they answer and the, and the mods they release and, and the product they put out for free is admirable. Um, there's a lot of cyberface makers and court creators, um, and, you know, scoreboard creators like sticky fingers and bongo and stuff like that. And they're not looking for money. They're not looking for attention. They're just modding for the love of it. And they're giving people free stuff. I mean, and that's what, and that's so good. what we got. We always have to shout him out for what he's done, not just as a mod of it, as the putting together those tutorials. It's, it's just been, been some fantastic and very helpful work to our community over the past few years. Yeah. TJ, TG so good has for the last few years, has been putting out tutorials in every tutorial section, which is not a, a, a section that's used enough. We know that. Answering questions? Uh, no. Yeah, it answers so many questions, and people still refuse to go to it. They go straight to the modding question. Um, but, yeah, he, he makes videos. He answers questions. Um, he's done basic Blender tutorials, um, basic tutorials on and, and in-depth tutorials on many different things like modding my career and all of that stuff, and he's never asked for anything. Um, and yeah, hats off to him. 
absolutely a lot of great work going on we're doing our part to uh, to contribute to that as well so look out for more uh information on the 2k11 roster i've just posted some more teasers in the nba 2k11 modding section should have another making a mod video out soon it's uh i've kind of been trying to focus on getting the mod done rather than uh, document it but i do want to do some more previews of that so uh, look out for that and it's uh as you know videos take do take time there's a pressure to preview your work mm. there's absolutely pressure to that when once you once you put your your um, project idea or something out on the nlsc immediately there's pressure for you to um you know preview the work or release the work that's Absolutely. just the nature. Yeah. Um, so I definitely feel for that. Um, I have a lot of people, you know, my YouTube channel used to be, you know, very active. Um, and I used to upload a lot of videos and you have people that, you know, comment and say, you know, hey, where are your YouTube videos? Or, ah, oh, man, I missed your YouTube videos. Where? And you know what? There's pressure on me to put up videos. So it's really no different in that way is, you know, now I've set like an expectation with my channel and now there's pressure to meet it. Uh, and if, if you're trying to go for the YouTube algorithm, it's even worse. So <laughs> yeah, I, I still, you know what, you know why I upload videos to show off the games, right? My, my channel isn't monetized. Mm. Um, it's cool sharing just like I do on Twitter. Like I just shared a video of Carl Malone and Cliff Robinson duel from 1993. I loved sharing that so people can see how awesome it was. Right. So that's no different than uploading content to YouTube, like a gameplay video on 2K and saying, hey, look how awesome this game was, right? I want people to share in that experience. Um, but yeah, there's definitely pressure for me to do more uh, at times. And whether you're doing videos, whether you're doing written content, as I do a fair bit of every week on the NLSC, uh, or, or mods, whichever way you do it. And I, I, uh, I may be the only person, D, I think, to ever at one point in time release a mod write articles, a podcast, and do a video in the same week. So that, that was a pretty good I week. I, I still said I don't know how you do it because the articles are very in-depth and they require research and putting on the game. Um, and the podcasts, we go two hours every time now, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Um, pretty much. Um, and then there's a lot of topics to think about and cover there. Uh, and then obviously doing a roster mod, as we've talked about, is, in my opinion, one of the hardest things in modding, maybe the hardest as far as like a time commitment. It is definitely time consuming yeah, to, to do it properly, Yeah, to do it right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty admirable as well. But, uh, so I will accept all kudos in the form of my uh, my only fans. No, you no, nobody. Uh, I do not have one and nobody needs to see that. But uh, certainly nobody wants to see my, me or Andrew's butt. There's no, no OnlyFans for that. No, uh, that's yeah, no, 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 no booty pics on the, uh, on, the, uh, on, the on the Patreon. Uh, shout out to uh, Aussie wrestler Shazza McKenzie here. Um, <laughs> who, uh, yeah, well, I showed you that tweet, so you know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, brought us to the end of uh, episode number 323, the NLC podcast. Uh, you know, looking back, we've got the, the tech demo of, of PS5. We And I'm sure Xbox One is also going to be similarly... Uh, impressive it's it's going back to what we said before we it's you can get excited about what we see with the uh with the new tech but it's it really comes down to the philosophy behind game design and whether it's going to be that game that really gives us that positive experience on the sticks uh more so than just wows us visually yeah i think this summer we're going to have plenty to talk about too i think we're going to start getting a lot of updates 
on this and the and the progress being made. We're probably going to start getting some NBA 2K21 um, talk and previews, maybe or screenshots. Maybe not yet. I mean, they they've you know we've talked about this before. They've kind of delayed the showing of the game, oft, oftentimes just to get as many pre-orders as they can. <laughs> um, and which, the, the fact that we're reaching almost reaching when the NBA Finals would start in the, in the season, they're just talking about getting it back up and running with the the current pandemic. It's uh, it's hard to really look ahead to the 21 season when we're still trying to work out how to get the, the 2020 season finished. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, but like I said, I, th- I think this summer we're going to have plenty to talk about on the podcast as far as updates and expectations and, and, and whatnot. So that will be fun. But like, like we said, you know, it's all about the gameplay between the lines. I think depth, while important, if the game is broken at its gameplay core, you're not going to have the same mass appeal. Absolutely, and as always, we invite you to give us your thoughts on what we talked about, the PS5 tech demo, what you thought about that, your expectations for next generation, how you feel about how this current generation has gone, uh, whether you're an older basketball gamer like us, whether you're a dreaded old head and how that makes you feel, and uh, whether you're uh, shaking your fist at the youth of today as as we do, Uh, also how you feel about retro teams, the retro team mods, and the the balance between uh, an assortment of teams or having a a specific opponent, uh, and whether you enjoy broken games, whether you've found a ways to enjoy a broken game, and which games in the uh, respective series those might be, uh, let us know your thoughts on what we talked about. And as we wrap up this week's show, Derek, uh, where can we find you on socials? Um, most active by far on Twitter um, at D for Free eighty four. Um, I'm on the NLSC obviously as a contributor um, D for Three, and I've been releasing faces for two K nineteen, and may release a couple more for two K twenty coming up here um, for Thundershack's roster. Um, I'm on YouTube, uh, which I mentioned before, um, D for Free, and then also um, I'm on the NLVC, the NBA Live Veterans Committee. And you did change your profile picture as well. But not Yuri Welsh. I did. It's a picture of me in my favorite shirt. Um, it's a Dominique Wilkins shirt. But I changed it because um, I'd like people to put, um, you know, put my face with the with the name. Um, and I'm still going to continue to keep D um, D Brown No Look Dunk logo for my YouTube channel. But I, I do I do I'm trying something different. I, I'd like to I'd like people to be able to put a face with the name. Hashtag branding. Exactly. Um, Hashtag, I hope it works. Hashtag, <laughs> renovate the hardwood. Hashtag, too many hashtags. But uh, there you <laughs> exactly. go. If you'd like to follow us and our creative hashtags, uh, of course, follow D. You can follow me at AndrewNLSC. The NLSC itself is also on Twitter at the NLSC. We are also the NLSC on Facebook. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. Uh, YouTube is NBA Live Series Center. The uh, NLSC podcast comes out each and every week, uh, Sunday evenings, Australian time, which I guess is more... Uh, Sunday mornings uh, in uh, your part of the world, D. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. It's crazy how um, I know right now. I don't know what time it is for you right now, but I feel really bad that you're still recording this show. Um, but it, it is cool that we're still able to do this show with our time difference. Five thirty in the morning, just for a uh, just for the edification. But uh, <laughs> yeah, make me feel worse. I, I'd be up watching videos anyway, probably. It's my my sleep schedule is uh, is very messed up, but uh, nevertheless, the the show just comes out Sunday evenings Australian time uh, on the NLSC, of course. We can also find us on various podcatching apps and platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Search for NLC Podcast. Look for that logo, the orange basketball logo. That will be us. Or keep streaming on the NLC, of course. As uh, as long as you're tuning in each and every week and enjoying the show, that is the main thing. 
once again, feel free to leave us any comments on the on the show, topic suggestions, thoughts on what we talked about this week, and of course, positive reviews, hopefully positive reviews anyway, on those other platforms as well. And of course, give a look to the NLC itself, mb-live.com, not only for the podcast, but also everything else we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, episode number 323 of the NLC podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I'm Derek, and it's 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here. <laughs> Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>